Hi, I'm Cameron, and this is Awkwardly Adulting. So today, we're going to be doing our lecture series where we read, annotate, and collaborate on Black revolutionary texts. And the purpose of the le lecture series is that we educate ourselves before we educate the people around us. So we're going to get into Black, the Black Panther part the Black Panther Party <laughs> and their 10-point plan rules. So I shared this little document where the 10-point plan rules were, and that's what we read, and I'm going to get into what the Black Party is, and then we're going to get into what was going on before the Black Panther Party, pa Black Panther Party, and then afterwards, we're going to um, talk about the actual text that we read and then discuss. Okay. The Black Panther Party was founded in 1966 in Oakland, California by Hoy Newton and Bobby Seale. The Black Panther Party, or originally named the Black Panther Party of Self-Defense Purpose, was to patrol African-American neighborhoods from acts of police brutality. They openly carried arms to protect these neighborhoods. So the Black Panther Party's main purpose was to protect the black communities from police brutality, and they were allowed to carry arms around these neighborhoods. Um, a part of their ideals as the Black Panther Party, which is kind of shown in the, their 10-point plan, so we're going to get into what Marxism believes so we can like, see how that correlates to the actual 10-point plan. Okay, so Marxism believes that capitalism can only work if the working class is exploited. And also, Marxism believes that economic conflict produces class, rich, middle, and poor, and produces class conflict. A key part of control of a group is alienation in all aspects of society, family, education, the system, and the media. This proves that our organizers with workers who don't mind working for the external rewards, which is safety, for example, and a constant wage. So, for example, I'm a part of the Black Panther Party. I have a whole family. The Black Panther Party is my family. They provide education and they protect me from the system. And they have their own group of rules. So I am part of a family, a little system. And this family, they control what I see, what I hear. They control, not not control, but they give me my source of information. So in exchange for that, I'm safe from police brutality and I, I get paid to be a part of this system. I hope that makes sense. You can also look it up. That's how I understood it. But a couple things that they also believe in is defiance and this means that any behavior that differs from the group, which is the normal, so abiding by the rules is normal, is not and is not accepted, is instead considered disrespectful and or dangerous. If I'm following the rules and I see you and you're not following the rules, you are being disrespectful towards the group and you aren't accepted in the group anymore. Okay. So once they were over 2,000 members in the late 1960s, the organization operated in several major American cities. So just imagine the San Fernando Valley and um, Simi Valley, they were both black communities. So there's a Black Panther Party, the Black Panther Party were separated and they had different groups in different neighborhoods protecting the black Americans from police brutality. Okay, so... The Black Panthers' main grievances toward their government at the time was the release of blacks from jail, the payment of compensation to African Americans for centuries of exploitation. So what they mean is that they want all, excuse me, all the black people in jail to be released. And secondly, 
They demanded payment from the government because they believe that African African Americans have been exploited for centuries, and they believe that money is the only way to, I guess, accept them and to help them, which made sense, which makes sense. And um, the ten point plan is a set of rules, guidelines, and ideals, and their ways of operation as the Black Panther Party. So. Even in the 10-point plan, it states that you must know the 10-point plan. So this was their set of rules that you had to abide by to even be in the Black Panther Party. So to be protected and to um, be a part of this, you had to abide by that rules and not be against them. Because if you were against them, you would violated the system and then were punished by, you get me? So we're going to get into what not really led up to the Black Panther Party, but I wanted to see what was going on behind the Black Panther Party that really brought it up. Because right now, for example, George Floyd was the tip of the iceberg, and then it set off all of these chain reactions of protest. So what really set off the Black Panther Party? And in the 1960s, the Civil Rights Movement war was reached California and the San Francisco Bay Area. The main demands that empowered the movement includes the end of racism in hiring, more minority employees in local businesses, especially in the Bay Area, and equal rights and equal equal job opportunities. So during this time, there was an increase in African Americans from the second Great Migration. I did not know there was a such thing as a second um, Great Migration. And it was a migration of 5 million African Americans from the South, Northeast, Midwest, and from the West from 1940 through 1970. Now, remember, the Black Panther Plan came into, was founded in 1966. So they were in the middle of all this civil rights movement um, protests. Okay. Main, the main part of Oakland's protests were UC Berkeley's CORE, which is, which is a group of people, but CORE, it is um, an acronym for Congress on Racial Inequality. These students and with other black organizations in San Francisco and Oakland and formed the Ad Hoc Committee. I hope I'm saying that correct. And their plan was to pressure local Bay Area companies to hire more minority employees and picket businesses until they agreed to end their discriminatory practices. Their protests were well-coordinated, nonviolent, that aimed to create confrontation with local companies. They even offered negotiations with companies. We will end protests if you hire minorities. That was their negotiation. If you hire minorities here, we'll stop the protests altogether. But this also correlates to what I said before. The Black Panther Party paid you. So I would get paid to walk around my neighborhood and protect, just like a police officer is. And I'm protecting my own community, just like a police officer. So that also contributed to how the Black Panther Party was being, like, it was effective because people were being paid. And that's what Black people needed to get paid because they didn't have a job, because they were discriminated discriminated against from getting a job in um, specifically San Francisco. Okay. The outcome of the protests. In six, nine, <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> just a personal tangent. I'm nervous and I don't know why. I'm just nervous I get something wrong and if I get something wrong and I spread it out there, 
that's just all up in the air and I just don't want that so I just want to point out if I have any mistakes or if you see something that I could have added please let me know so I could put it in my notes on my website and be able to let people know on the this podcast that I had made a mistake uh, but yeah just let me know if you find out more information okay so in 1964 the Civil Rights Act was enacted it's a law that prohibits employers to not imp- employ <laughs> employ on the basis of color, race, religion, sex, and origin. So near the end um, of the civil rights movement, it's continued through 19, the 1970s or whatever. But in 1964, this was six, six minus four. This was two years, two years, wait, four or five. Yeah, excuse me, I don't know math. So, this was two years before the Black Panther Party was founded and started. So, after the Civil Rights Act, what were the main, the main outcome of it in 1967? They said that the Black, for example, in Berkeley's Black population, only 28% of them were hired. So, this would mean that not only was a civil rights act enacted for the protests to stop, but it wasn't really enforced. The companies still had their own bias opinions and they did not, they still hired who they wanted to hire. So the Black Panther Party was really a life-saving um, group of people that would pay you to protect. So just keep that in mind. Okay, another thing that was going on was the Vietnam War. So at the time, the United States was allied with South Vietnam against North Vietnam in an effort to stop the spread of communism. Now, I'm really not a big history fanatic. Like, I don't really, I don't know how to help you remember stuff like this, but I try to put it in simplest terms possible. So if some things don't really add up and there's not many details, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be as simple as possible so you understand what was really going on. So, in 1964, North Vietnam bombed U.S. boats. This was during the war, and the current president bre- president, <laughs> president, attacked back. Now, this was kind of the tipping point, and 1964 is when the Civil Rights Act was enacted, which is pretty, wow, okay? Perspective. Also, during this time, during that 1964, there were people were wondering why were we even fighting in this war and why were we helping south viet what why were we helping south vietnamese people from communist threats and i'm getting this from history.com because it was so easy to read their article so you could always go there and read up on the vietnam war and um uh, oh continuing at the time there had been 500,000 troops fighting 15,000 58 were killed and I had to look this up how to read where I can't read the numbers so what a hundred thousand um oh wait I'm gonna look it up okay so I'm back and it was 109,527 were wounded the war was costing 25 billion which was including tax money 40,000 men were called into service each month now What's important to know was that 40,000 men were called into 
but most of these men were african-american men being called so just think about how i don't i don't know how to explain it just think like you're living in your neighborhood and you're trying to find a job you can't find a job so there is no point in living there you can't really support yourself so might as well go to the war might as well fight and do something or then again the the black panther party wasn't wasn't even around at that time so i bet they were thinking about how men were being called into war at that time but just sit there and think about that for a second then This sparked the 1967 anti-war protests against Vietnam, against the Vietnam War and the whole purpose that we were there and why we were there. So those started and there was a a little fact on the website that Martin Luther King went public with his opposition to the war on moral grounds. And this is like this is directly from the website, I believe. And he said uh, he condemned the use of federal funds being taken from domestic funds so the 25 billion that those are funds that could have been placed back into jobs into communities into housing and martin luther king is saying why are we putting these into a war that we don't even have to fight um he also commented on the disproportionate number of african-american casualties in relation to the total number of soldiers killed in the war I guess he commented on how African-Americans were being killed more than white people. Maybe African-Americans were on the front lines in front of the white people. I don't really want to think about that. And being black back then, just... (sighs) Wow. So I made a little point for me to go back and try to explain. So I'm going to read my notes and um, go off of that. So I said, now let's go back. All of this was occurring in the same cities at the Black Panther Party. The Black Panther Party began during the Civil Rights Movement, we can assume, because of the dates. And imagine living at that time in San Francisco, living in a a neighborhood of police brutality. On top of that, more African-Americans were coming into into San Francisco, trying to find work, a house, and a safe future. And even on top of that, the Civil Rights Act is being fought for and soon enacted. So this is all going on, and it's specifically working against black African-Americans. And there's honestly, it doesn't look like there was hope at that time so the black panther party was supposed to give a purpose to black people so they can feel i feel like that was the main like purpose of it now this is all my own research i could be getting bad information um i'm not like i don't have a history textbook (laughs) so we're all i really wanted to make this lecture series because i wanted it to be us learning So I wanted people to, as well, like, if you see something online and it's more information, why don't tell me, let me know. Like, I want to be bouncing off of each other and learning more. So, yeah, that was one thing I got out of it. And um, 
I I put in, please look at a, a black person's perspective. And thinking about the rules of the Black Panther Party, the party seems amazing. I bet at that time, a set of rules and guidelines and being able to get paid to work, I bet that really sparked hope in a lot of black people. Um, And they had a sense of need because they were protecting the community. And I guess the ideals that were in the 10-point plan, they were very effective and logical, it seemed, during those times. Maybe even now, in my opinion. But anyway, just think about would you join the Black Panther Party? Like, can you imagine your own community having their own set of police officers that look just like you? And would you feel more comfortable with that? If you really think about it. Like, for example, I live in a neighborhood... It doesn't really have many black faces, but there is black people here. So the police officers will only be black and brown or like any type of brown, black and brown. Just imagine like no white police officers in this neighborhood and the white police officers would only be in white neighborhoods. Yeah. Okay. So aside from the Black Panther Party, there's... um. A black liberation army and I'm not gonna get into that yet but what I'm going to do is get my notebook so I have my notebook and now I'm gonna get into more of these notes okay here it is here's my notebook okay so this is the third part of this little series thing and I think I'm gonna move my mic we're gonna get a little bit different like personal this is our, what is it called? What was that thing that we did in high school? What was it called? Oh my god, I can't think of what it was called. But we would get into a circle and start asking and debating questions with each other in a circle. I forgot. Ugh, can't think of it. Okay, let's get into the actual text. Now, I have my notebook here. I'm going to open up the document that you guys read too. So we can like read it together because there's some parts that I want to bring up because in my opinion, I thought like, why don't we just apply that now? Like it makes so much sense. Even when we were like talking about Marxism and how capitalism, it really puts down one, like someone is going to be at the bottom. And I think here in this type of like the United States, we have a very... Everyone needs to win, that winning mentality. And I think that also contributes to that type of, like, our like society, I guess. So I'm going to start off with the document that was titled, What We Want, What We Believe. And I wrote down some stuff that I really liked, and I want to, like, read it off. So, excuse me. <laughs> I just burped. You know, I think I want this to be, like, a chill part because I don't want this, like, podcast type, like, I don't want the lecture series to be, like, a history class. And history class, I thought, was the most boring thing ever. I thought, I just believe that they didn't really ask me more questions. They didn't put into perspective things. But yeah, okay. I have it open here, and 
we're going to look at my notes now. Sorry, I was reading something. And so, this 10-point plan were the rules and guidelines that you had to abide by. And the what we want and what we believe is what the Black Panther wants and believes in. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, I got this little part because... Well, this is like the grievances part. This is what they're telling the government. Hey, we want this. This is what we believe in. And this is why we are a party. Okay. So I know you guys read it and I asked my question. So we're going to, I'm going to put that in here. Not in this little part, but after this, we're going to talk about that. But one part that I liked was we believe that this racist government has robbed us. And now we are demanding the overdue debt of 40 acres and two mules 40 acres and two mules was promised 100 years ago as we read the whoops as (laughs) excuse me the restitution for slave labor and mass murder of black people now this i do not know where it is on the actual document oh this i should have wrote that down but I like this a lot. I like how I can't explain it, but I really do think the government has robbed black people just in so many ways, in so many ways. And personally, I I figured this out because I think I shared it in a podcast episode. I really talked about how I, when I figured out, like, damn, everything's against me. Like, people really don't want me to be at the top. And I was telling my mom about it, and she didn't really understand what I was saying, but I think I talked about it in a past episode. But when I read that, that's what it reminded me of. So another part was, we the people accept the payment in currency, which will be distributed to our many communities. Now, what's funny is that the Black Panther Party believed in protection, money, and yeah. (laughs) I noticed that they believed that if the government really wanted to help, okay, pay us, pay money, like give it. And I really, I guess I believe in it. Like, I agree. Like, I really do agree that if every single, I don't know, month or whatever, I was paid by the government because of past and my ancestors. But I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I shouldn't really be weighing out whether or not I've been oppressed enough. Because in my head, I'm thinking about that. But that shouldn't matter. I don't know. Like, think about it. Getting paid as a black person that's what they believed in maybe you disagree and maybe at the time that was really what was needed but it made sense they didn't have any jobs i'm applying for jobs right now and there's a whole section that states that you acknowledge that this company cannot um use their race your race your gender your origin against you and they can't use it when you're applying for a job that, that, that can't be the why you're being declined the job. So, yeah, so now we're signing that, and I don't know, maybe companies still abide by their own rules, but we never know. 
But this statement also reminds me of all the GoFundMes. And there's so many YouTubers that are like, okay, these celebrities, they support Black Lives Matter. And they post these black screens and they post all this stuff. They should be giving us money. We want to get paid. Donate. And I've seen so many people, not not so many people, but I've seen people talk about how celebrities are only donating like $50, like $400. They're not really donating the, like, the, not equals, but kind of like the amount of money they get. So I thought that was really funny that they wrote that in their own 10-point plan. Um, I have another one. If white landlords don't give us decent or proper housing, we must make the land housing with government money into decent housing for black people and communities. So landlords in, I believe that they, they said that because most of the landlords were white. So most of them catered to white people or they rented out rooms for black people that weren't really ideal living spaces. So they believe that they'll give us they'll give us this money and we'll be able to put it back into our communities and back with to black people that live in these communities. If a black man does not have knowledge of himself, his position in society and the world, then he has little chance to rel- uh, relate to anything else. This statement really like stuck out at me like just the fact that there's so much black history that I don't know it really makes me sick because it's like I don't know where I came from but I'm gonna stop saying but because like I there's no I shouldn't really justify it but I should understand that I should I need to know all this stuff because it's a part of my history. It's the color behind like the color of my skin really connects me to all this. And not knowing it really just makes me feel like I don't know myself. So that really is important. Um they were explaining how black people need to be educated on their own history, which is a part of the American history. And another statement we have been and are being tri- tired. Oh, wait. I'm going to repeat that. We have been and we are being t- tried by all while juries that have no understanding of the average reasoning man of the black community. So this statement was taken out of one of the one of the parts where they were saying that black men should have equal recognition. Oh my god. Reckon in, oh my god. Representation in um juries and being when they're put on trial. And I really agree with that. I guess that's also why they demanded that all black people be released from jail because they were wrong maybe they were wrongfully accused and maybe were put Oh my god, why did I do that? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like I'm like tired. I've, I was researching all of this at three o'clock in the morning and I'm scared this won't this all of this research will be for nothing but it's not really but in my head I keep thinking since people don't want to listen and don't want to um listen to I guess what I want to say I feel like people don't really want to 
I guess people aren't really taking what I worked on and seriously and they don't want to listen to it so I'm really worried about that and it's really distracting me but um yeah okay I'm gonna move on because that's mainly what I wanted to say there's so many other points in there that I really like but I wrote it down so I could look back on it so the rules of the Black Panther Party so one point to be a part of this party all members must abide by so everyone had to abide by these rules. Everyone needs to know them, like memorize these rules. And um, there is one statement that said, each member must report any violation of these rules to their leadership or they are counter-revolutionary and are also subjected, subjected to suspension by the Black Panther Party. So this is kind of cool because this is what the police should be doing. Am I right? Like police should be holding each other accountable if you do not report back this person and what they did then you're fired as well like that should be a part of being a police officer today and they had it right they had one thing right the black panther party okay number six i put down the number and i think number six talks about what does it say this is the 10 the rules so number six it says no party no party member can join any other army force other than the black liberation army when i saw black liberation army i got scared i was like an army black <laughs> whoa i didn't know about this so i looked up a little part and i put it in my notes so you can look at them online but this is what i looked up and found on the background of the black liberation army so the Black Liberation Army was an underground black power under organization that operated in the United States from 1970 to 1981. So this was underground, this was private, this was secret. This army included an ex-founder of the Black Panther Par Party, Edridge Cleaver. Now, Cleaver was actually a part of the founding of the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the Black Panther Party. Now, I didn't want to look up their beef because I didn't really find it important, but maybe in the future I'll look it up and see. But he was a part of the Black Panther Party and he left. So I feel like the ideals of this army, the Liberation Army, they were different from the Black Panthers, so that's why he left. But I don't know. I just wanted to infer there and imagine what had happened. One of the Liberation Army's goals was to take up arms for the liberation and self-discrimination Whoa. the self-determination of black people in the United States. They carried out bombings, robberies, and prison breaks. They didn't have a set of rules in comparison to the Black Panther Party and only accepted ex-Black Panther Party members. The Black Liberation Army saw that their acts as revolutionary violence against the state as a necessary response to what their members deemed as imperialist nation fixed on exclusivity and racism. The Black Liberation Army beca became more prominent when the Black Panther Party began to decline. So there's a point where the Black Panther Party was losing its um, members because they were getting arrested and they were being kept in jail for X amount of time, like longer. And also because their key members of the party were dying off. So when this was going on, the Black Panther members turned over to the Black Liberation Army. Um, so yeah, that's the main points of the army. And I just thought it was very interesting. They have a very different, 
ideal to the Black Panther Party. Now, we could compare the Black Panther Party to the protesters today. So the protesters are organizing these events. They're going to these events and they're protesting, um, protecting, and they're protesting, <laughs> protecting each other, I guess. And they are representing their their point. Now, this Black Liberation Army would be the rioters and the looters. Now, a lot of black people, they understand the pain and frustration of the looters and the rioters. But then again, some of these are people are white. And um, that's when I guess that the, the black liberation, the the Black Liberation Party is like those looters, those black, brown looters, and those black and brown rioters. They feel that anger and that rage that they've been pressured by the, the by the government, and then they turn to bombings, robberies, prison breaks, just like this army did. And then the Black Panther Party believed in creating a community and being together. So... I just saw that to be um, very interesting. I didn't know about the army, the Black Liberation Army. Um, let's continue. <laughs> okay. So another point that I wanted to po- point out. I think this is the last one. Yeah. This is, this is the last one that struck out at me is everyone in a leadership position must read no less than two hours per day to keep abreast of changing political situations i just found this really funny that they continuously need to learn like this is part of the rules you need the two hours of reading to understand what is going on in the world pretty cool (laughs) um that is it i took so many notes you guys you don't know how long this actually took to do you guys don't understand how long this took. My notes are five pages long, and I took notes on paper and pen, and then I typed them out. So that was, it was tedious. I felt like I was back in school, and ugh, nasty. But I believe that's all I wanted to say. There's so much information online. There's so much more stuff you can read and um, try to understand. So we're going to get into the comments now. Oh my god. I, I opened up Instagram and someone was like talking. I don't know. A lot of people have been coming out with their spoken word. And I have to say, it makes me very emotional. Like it very, it really does. Okay. So the comments. I know the series could be boring and I really don't want it to be but then again we're talking about history and facts so I'm not gonna really rant about how no one really said anything but I will say that talking about how you feel about this history will really help you understand it and really help you ingrain it into your brain because that's what I usually do I relate it back to what is going on now and it helps me remember about the history and that's what my teachers did not do. <laughs> so, my first question was, do you think this party was effective just looking at their ideals and rules? And this person said, no, they were still being mistreated even when followed all the rules of discipline. So, 
I guess since I don't know if this person like looked up the background but I guess she's she's going back to you know how I I told you guys the the decline of the Black Panther Party just their their rules weren't really the government's rules and that's where everything went wrong I believe that when the, not the government, but I bet the police people, police people, (laughs) when the police officers noticed this party and how it was growing stronger, they had, they had to do something. And I think I agree with her in that little aspect that it wasn't really effective in a way because the police were still, or the police still had to manage them, if that makes sense. But uh, I really, I really wish they carried through, like, <laughs> the party. Okay. So, the next question was, did anything catch your eye? Now, I wanted to put that because I think that's how you also remember the history of things. So, let's see what this person said. <laughs> Just crazy that one has to fight for their own rights that shouldn't have been taken away. I found it interesting that all on their own, we want is everything that one should already. Now, that is so true. And I guess when I read it, it just made me sad again because I bet half of those grievances are the same ones people want now. And it just mind blown like 2020 and 1967. Um... Oh, so it was, um, found it interesting that all on their, their, we want is everything that one should have already, have access to, have the right to have, yet they have to fight and state it and make it be known. So, yes, but also I looked up, okay, so at the, I don't know how to explain this, I'm trying to think before I speak, but at the time, I remember... At the time, you could create your own political party, and I don't know a lot on that, and I thought you were able to uh, elect officials in your party to vote for yourself, like vote for the like the officials that you want, and I don't have a lot of information on that, and I believe this, I tried to look up if the Black Panther Party was a political party, but I believe they were, and... Uh, let me look it up right now and this is unedited uncut <laughs> and I don't want this episode to be so long but let's get into it let's so the Black Panthers were a political party and I guess I was right because what I remember from my class is that you could um, create a political party as long as you had enough members and as long as you typed up your own rules and all that and I don't really I don't know if that's correct, but when I did look it up just now, it did say that the Black Panther Party was a political party. Okay, let's go. So the next question I put was a poll, and it said, have you ever heard of the Black Panther Party before any of this? And most of you guys said yes, but honestly, how many three people said no? And it's pretty cool, excuse me, that some people said no, because I don't think I would admit that I didn't know, but... I've heard about them, but I didn't know of them, like, as it's, like, this information that I just read. And the next question, 
no one answered. Next question, no one answered. Next question, no one answered. And then that was it. So I just want to say that I want this series to be really easy and laid back, just like my normal episodes. But I get so nervous. <laughs> I get so nervous before recording because I don't want to say the wrong thing and have to record it. So yeah. Okay. So we're going to end off this episode. And I just want to say follow the podcast. I don't have an intro anymore because <laughs> this is the third season and I don't have one and I wanted to change it. And you could always DM me and let me know your thoughts. I really I really like knowing your opinion and knowing people's opinion on things and seeing if I ever missed information. I love learning more and telling other people the same thing, same fact that you guys would tell me or someone would tell me. And I wanted to say share the podcast with people, your friends, your family. <laughs> Do they want to hear me? I don't know. <laughs> um, I really want to learn more about black history because it is part of American history. Um, just the fact that half of us, most, half of us don't really know about this black history is really, it's hard to comprehend, I guess. And um, thank you for listening to the first episode of the lecture series. I think I'll start getting used to speaking on history and trying to research as much as possible and typing out my notes with direct points so I don't really go off on tangents and the episodes are not as long because I don't want them to be um, like this amount, like 40 minutes. I want them to be at least 20, 30 minutes where you listen, you learn, and then you go back to your day. Okay, so episode two. I'm going to announce it here so you guys could start reading, I guess, for episode two. Or if you don't want to read it, that's totally fine. It's pretty cool that some people might just want to hear my voice and um, let me talk about it to them instead of reading it. And I don't know. Either way, it's fine. Whatever you want. But the next reading is going to be The Correct Handling of a Revolution. I really want to read this. Because, yes, this is the, what we are in right now. This is a revolution. Like, if you accept it or not, this this part of history is really important. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not handling it correctly, we're going to fade out. And I already see that. A lot of people are already commenting on it. It's like, okay, these people were arrested. These people are being held accountable. But how about everyone else? What about the future? What about your children? It's a... Uh, it's very important. So this document, I'm going to link it in my link tree, <laughs> my link tree on my um, Instagram. So go to Ock Adulting Pod, click the link in my bio, and you should see week two lecture series. Click on it. It should take you straight to the area where you can like read about it. And when you click on this link, you need to look at the titles because you don't want to read the wrong title and then... I guess you could read all of it, but I'm going to be talking about the title that says The Correct Handling of a Revolution. I think it's like four pages. It's a it's a good amount of pages. And I hope you guys participate and just I hope to see you guys in the next episode. OK, OK, I will also make an announcement on my Instagram, Instagram. So watch out for that. 
If you have any criticisms about this podcast, please let me know. I really want to know how to make this podcast better because in my opinion, I feel like I just ramble and say the word like a lot. But yeah, cool. I'll see you guys in the next episode and the next lecture series, which will be on a Friday. (laughs) Bye, y'all.